Welcome to Rise Radio with counselor and prevention expert Randy Havison. Recovery in various forms is something that many of us face every day. Most of us need some sort of intervention to start the process of rebuilding and reconnecting our lives. This program serves to empower you to find new ways of solving old problems. Now, here is your host, Randy Havison. Hello and welcome back to Rise Radio. I am your host, Randy Havison, and I am thrilled to be with you here today. Um, I, you know, I've been doing this for a couple months now, and this has been such an amazing, incredible experience. And the thing that I enjoy most often is when I hear from my family's friends and listeners say, hey, we listened to the show and really loved it and, and got a lot out of it. And, you know, we have listeners now from five continents and welcome to everybody from around the world listening today. And uh, I just and I feel so honored to to be here and have this opportunity to share new programs and, and people with you that are making a difference and hopefully empowering those of you who are listening to go out and do things in your community and, and in your family and, and with your friends to help them to be happier and healthier and, and to lead better lives. So today I am. We're we're going to do a little revisit. If you remember, uh, weeks ago we had Katie Costner from Take Back the Night and the Respect My Red program, and Amanda was actually on with her. And I am just so impressed with this woman. And I talked to Katie, and and we worked it out again for Amanda to come back today because they have a new program, or I don't know if it's a new program. We'll be finding out. Um, that I really want to highlight here because, you know, we've had a lot of news lately, more about uh, sexual violence and sexual assault and inappropriate talk and gestures and, and all this stuff. And, you know, as a male in our society, when I hear people say, oh, these women are all lying and I'm going to sue them. I mean, I just think about how many steps back that takes all the work we've done to empower women to come forward and, you know, getting men to speak up against other men who are like, hey, dude, that's just not cool. We don't do that. So we're going to talk about all of this stuff. And I know that this time is going to fly by. Um, so, so actually, I want to get right to it and bring on our guests. Uh, and I want to introduce you first to Amanda. And, and for those of you who didn't hear the first show or need a reminder, let me tell you a little bit about Amanda uh, before we get on, before she gets on here. So Amanda Blauer is the program director of the Take Back the Night Foundation. She serves as the program director, and is the assistant director of residence life at Penn State Harrisburg. Amanda oversees national campaigns such as 10 Points of Light and Respect My Red for the Take Back the Night Foundation, and she works with schools, colleges, and communities to help them organize their walks, runs, vigils, and other programming components. She is the conference program coordinator for Respect Respect My Red, the International Summit to End Sexual Violence. Amanda works tirelessly to assist event holders around the globe while planning and organizing their walks, runs, vigils, and programs. She holds a master's degree in counseling from Shippensburg University. Great school, by the way. Amanda has been committed to raising awareness about all forms of sexual violence since she was a college student, at which time she created a women's empowerment program that oversaw all programming efforts on campus around sexual violence and healthy relationships. She has presented over 200,000 students and professionals and more than 100 colleges, universities, military bases, corporations, nonprofits, and high schools across the country on sexual violence and healthy relationships. 
Wow, Amanda, sounds like you know what you're talking about, and welcome back to the show. It is great to have you here. Well, thank you so much for having me back. I'm very happy to be able to talk with all your listeners again. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, we didn't, we ran out of time that first show, of course, uh, but I really want to focus on, on this 10 points of light. But before we get there, could you tell me a little bit about how you got started in this field? Yeah, yeah. So I, unfortunately, when I first started at my first university that I attended as a freshman in college, I had a very unfortunate experience of uh, being assaulted by oh. a by another freshman student, um, but through my reporting on campus, actually came to find out that I was the fifth woman that he had assaulted. And wow. through that, yeah, yeah, through that, what we found out was every action that he had was getting more and more severe. And I just thought to myself, you know, I really can't, I wouldn't be able to live with myself if I if we didn't move forward with an on-campus hearing and, mm-hmm. and you know, holding that student accountable for their actions. Um, that student was removed from campus. Two of the other women did come forward with me. And right. he was removed, and I was able to finish out my first year of college. But it, it was very difficult because at that time, even though it wasn't that, that long ago, it feels like ages ago, um, mm-hmm. it, you know, this was in 2004, um, people weren't talking about sexual violence like they are now on college campuses. Right. And I went to a religiously affiliated school where assault doesn't happen, sex before marriage <sighs> doesn't happen. We had very strict rules in place. And wow. um, in my time that I ended up transferring uh, institutions, I went to another school. I went to Mount St. Mary's University, which is in Emmitsburg, Maryland. And... Mm-hmm. During my time there, I became involved as a resident assistant, and then through that, it's when I started to realize no one's talking about this. No one's having these conversations about what a healthy relationship looks like and and that these sexual assaults and sexual violence and domestic, you know, violence is happening all over. So I took it upon myself with the help of a couple mentors on campus to actually write a proposal for a women's center on our campus. When it went to the president at the time of that institution, he approved what became the Women's Empowerment Program um, Mm -hmm. for Mount St. Mary's, and we really focused on programming on a lot of different topics. We weren't just talking about sexual violence. We were talking about healthy relationships. We were talking about how to engage men in the conversation. And I'm Mm. very proud to say that that programming board is still in place um, at that. That's great. At at the Mount. They are actually doing their walk a mile in in her shoes tonight. Um, So that, (laughs) that was a fun, yeah, that was fun. I got an email saying that they were doing it. So I was very excited to see that Things that I had put in place when I was an undergrad are still there. Um, But it was really through a Take Back the Night event that was held at my institution that changed sort of my course that I ended up taking, like my path. Um, And I ended up hearing actually Katie, who spoke um, on the show a few weeks ago, I ended up hearing her speak, and it was in that time that I actually realized that I wanted to move forward with potential criminal charges against the man that assaulted me. My statute of limitations hadn't run out yet, 
And uh-huh. I did move forward with that. Unfortunately, the assistant district attorney in the uh, location that this occurred in, he called me after reviewing the case and he said, I believe that this happened to you, but I can't prove that it did. <gasps> and that no. was really hard. I, I say that's the hardest part for me. And that just fueled my fire to really just say, no, we have to talk about this. This is not, you know, these are happening. And just because someone can't prove that it happened, we need to start really having this conversation and raising that awareness and not silencing a victim because they're worried no one's going to believe them. Mm -hmm. Um, So that really fueled a lot of what I did. And I, you know, I reached back out to Katie, um, a few, many times she has come to speak at lots of the colleges that I've worked at. And then I started working with her and working with the team at, with Take Back the Night. And it's been great. And, you know, I love that I get a lot of, um, it, it's just a lot of fulfillment out of doing something. You know, we're a hundred percent volunteer. I don't get paid for the work that I do. I have another full-time job and <laughs> practically work full-time with Take Back the Night as well. But really it's, it's having that time with these campuses um, that have never done these events and they want to be successful and how can I help them get there? That's really the thing that I love about the work that I do with Take Back the Night. That is so great. And, and I like that you put the focus on what a healthy relationship is and empowerment. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's really the, the big, big thing for me personally is that, mm-hmm. um, so much of the work that I do with my with my full time job is residence life, and mm-hmm. I do hear a lot of our Title IX situations, which are cases of um, discrimination based on gender, and, and and I hear a lot of these cases, and I'm just thinking, man, if people just knew what was appropriate and what wasn't appropriate. Yeah, we would be making so many strides, but it's it's amazing, Absolutely. especially when you're working with 18 year olds that yep. they don't understand those limits. So a lot of what we're doing right now with Take Back the Night and and Respect My Red is how are we raising that awareness earlier on about mm-hmm. what is right or what is wrong and and how mm-hmm. to avoid those those gray areas. Unfortunately, there Absolutely. is always gray, and it's hard for us to wipe that out completely, but we want to try to get people to think about the types of relationships that they're having, and is this the best thing for you, and and what Mm -hmm. support services are out there for people that are trying to seek assistance and get out of those relationships. So I think that that's also a really important thing to to keep in mind yes. because well, absolutely yes, and, I, and another thing yeah. that I like a lot of the a lot of the movements that I'm watching now are involving men more in the discussion mm-hmm. and I really like uh, how that's starting to trans transform because we need to get men involved with this issue as well um, right. you know and the number one thing that I, I like to point out is um, the guys in Stanford, the two guys who were riding their bikes by and saw what was happening and actually stopped and did something about it. And right. I think we need to empower more men to get involved with this because, you know, we're half of the population. So when we get involved yeah. too, I think that's when we can really make some great strides. Right. Most definitely. And I think it's also yeah. important to remember that this does, you know, sexual violence affects men also, whether it's someone that they personally know that experienced something 
or if they themselves are a victim. I, I think that, you know, any opportunity that I have to empower a man to speak out about something that happened to them, I think is also yep. really important because that's how, you know, they become part of the conversation. You know, it is a very pervasive issue that people don't want to talk about. In fact, a colleague recently reached out to me saying, you know, I feel like this is so silenced and it's so not normalized part of the conversation. And I said, well, you know, I, I, I said, I think maybe we have different experiences. This is part of my mm-hmm. every day. I hear it every day, yeah. whereas they don't. Yeah. And, and really, how do we normalize that conversation and, and make people aware that it's okay to talk about this and talk mm-hmm. about those experiences that people have had, I think is very, very important. So. Exactly. Yeah. And, and yeah. we do need to keep that going. And speaking of men being involved with this issue, we also have Cody Herman here with us today. And I want to bring Cody in because I, I want to hear about your experience and, and just to kind of give you a brief intro on Cody. Uh, Cody Herman is the Interim Assistant Director of Residential Services and the Deputy Title IX Coordinator at Alfred State University in New York. After graduating Alfred State with a BS in Human Service Management, Cody began working in residential services full-time and as a master's candidate in higher ed administration at SUNY Stony Brook. Oh, good for you. Cody is passionate about sexual violence prevention and education and eagerly engages boys and men in conversations around their role in ending gender-based violence. He is a strong advocate for underrepresented students and is motivated and inspired by the work that he does at Alfred State. So, Cody, welcome to the show. It's really great to have you on here. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and, and you're sitting there also with Nikki, and uh, Nikki's up there at Alfred State, too. And we have a few minutes before the break. So, Nikki, I want to introduce you, too. And then if we have time, we'll do a little intro. But when we come back from the break, I, I, I want to fully engage you guys and, and find out where you're at. And then we'll spend a lot of time talking about hundred points of the 10 Points of Light uh, program. And then I think we have Wendy also. We're going to bring her on. So let me tell you about Nikki. Nikki Hockenberry is the Chief Diversity Officer and Title IX Coordinator at Alfred State. Nikki's passion lies in the areas of women and gender studies, having received her master's from Empire State College, concentrating her coursework around those topics. She then continued at Empire State for an advanced graduate certificate in women and gender studies, allowing her to also adjunct a class at Alfred State this fall. As a single mother of a son and daughter, Nikki is incredibly passionate about ending sexual violence and eliminating rape culture so that her children grow up in a safer and kinder world. You know, it's funny. When I first saw that, Nikki, it's like, yes, that's what it's all about. So, Nikki, I want to welcome you to the show as well. Thanks for taking time to be here for both of you, Cody and Nikki. Absolutely. Thank you for inviting us. Yeah. So how long has your program been going on there at Alfred State? Our um, Take Back the Night sort of initiative program has been going on, I would say we've been doing Take Back the Night for probably about seven years now. Oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. Good. And and you get good turnout from the students there? Every year we seem to get more and more turnout, and it's it's been amazing. It started off small, and now we're filling mm-hmm. the auditorium, and it's just, it's it's really taken a hold here. That's so great. So, you know what, we have a couple minutes before we have to take our first break here, but Cody, or actually either of you, could you run by, you know, we talk about Title IX and all that, 
give like a, a brief intro about what Title IX is all about and why that's important. Okay. Um, so Title IX was an amendment passed in 1972 um, that really it's 37 words long. It basically, you know, stated that <clears throat> you cannot discriminate on the basis of sex or gender if you are a higher ed institution that receives federal financial aid. So when that first came out, I think if you, you know, talk to people who are from that generation, they initially um, interpreted that as sports and Greek life and more academic-based. I would say over the past seven to ten years, we've really been looking at it more as, you know, gender-based violence and gender-based discrimination in higher education and how that, you know, has a really negative impact on, you know, women's educational experiences. They find that they're, you know, not able to continue or to be as successful if they've been victims of gender-based violence. And so it's been really important to us to really watch how that's evolved over the past, you know, seven to ten years. And then, of course, more recently with the Department of Ed reaching out and, and encompassing transgendered and, and non-gender binary students under Title IX mm-hmm. as well. So we're really oh. able to help um, a growing population of our students be able to have a more successful and, and a more satisfying educational experience when they're here on our campus through Title IX and enforcing these policies and really making a safer community for all of our students. Wow, that's really great. And, you know, it's it's one of those things where we the hope is that we get to a point in our society where we don't even need Title IX anymore because everyone is treated fairly. That's exactly. the ultimate that's hope. The hope. Yeah. Yep, so we need to get there. So right now we need to take our first break, but when we come back, I want to talk to you guys a little bit more about how you got started in this field and and what got you interested, and then we're going to bring Wendy in, and then we're going to talk about 10 Points of Light. So we will be right back after these messages. This is the home of the top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success drivers, the Voice America Empowerment Channel. How do you define work? Is it that mundane Monday through Friday place that seems to be sucking a third of your life out of you? Or have you made it a place of personal fulfillment, achievement, and purpose? If you are looking to make your work life the latter, tune in to Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. There are all kinds of inspiring work-life stories told by people who have made work something to look forward to every day. Working on Purpose can be heard every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. Randy Havison is a highly sought-after speaker, trainer, consultant, and author. His down-to-earth approach and mix of humor and insightful information make him a very effective presenter. With topics such as alcohol education, raising self-esteem, leadership development, and defining value systems, Havison has proven to be a pioneer in his field. Randy is a welcome speaker on the international stage with a personality that exudes raw energy fueled with magnetic charisma and the relatability of a best friend. His book, Party with a Plan, The Guide to Low-Risk Drinking, was 15 years in the making. He has found a research-based formula that teaches people how to drink and lower their risk for problems. Party with a Plan goes beyond be responsible and drink moderately by offering specific guidelines for people who want to drink and avoid the common problems associated with drinking. Visit Randy's websites, risespeaker.com and partywithaplan.com for more information. How are you doing in your life? Do you control your life or does it control you? In our hectic, overconnected world, do you spend too much time feeling tired and wired? 
Tune in to Master Your Life with hosts Leah Mattinson and Dr. Howard Rankin for inspiration, insight, and intelligence on how to gain control of yourself and your life. Along with some inspirational and knowledgeable guests, Leah and Howard will give you the tools needed to help you on your journey. Tune in every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Do you or somebody you love have a struggle with abuse? You don't need to be a slave to your abuse anymore. Listen for Beyond Abuse, Beyond Therapy, Beyond Anything with Dr. Lisa Cooney. Dr. Lisa overcame struggles in her own life. Two decades of sexual, emotional, and physical abuse nearly took their toll. In her 20s, she turned her life around and set upon a path to help others. She can help you find the key to take control of your life, too. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Rise Radio. To reach Randy Havison or his guest today, call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Randy at riseradioshow.com. Now, back to Rise Radio. Welcome back. This is Randy Havison, and I am the host of Rise Radio, and thank you for tuning in. Uh, I am really excited about, I, you know, I, I listen to all my shows, and, and I hear myself every week say, I'm so excited, but I'm really excited and, and, and so glad that we get to get this information out there um, about all these different programs that are going on to help men and women in regards to sexual violence and, and other issues that need to be talked about and put into the light. So we brought in Cody and Nikki towards the end of that. And Cody, I, I, I want to talk to you, you know, as another guy, one of the issues that has come up recently, and it's good I can talk to another guy about this, this whole thing about it was just locker room talk. And I've been in a lot of locker rooms. And I, I, I don't know if you have or not, but I've never heard talk like that before. I mean, yeah, we talk about, you know, women and, and, and things like that, but it never got to that point for me. And I mean, have you, do you consider that to be locker room talk or do you see it as serious as I see it? Well, I definitely see it as a very serious issue. And I think that um, part of the, the issue in our, in the culture that, that um, especially millennial men grow up with is, is we haven't had um, certain experiences that teach us how to behave appropriately toward other people necessarily. And, mm-hmm. and so now that we've gotten to this, this position in our, in our, in our time where we're becoming young men and adults and, and it's good to have those, those build those relationships with other people to, to know what's appropriate and what's not appropriate to talk about. And, mm-hmm. and having respect for people in general and, and especially women in, in the sense that you, you, you can't go around talking about what you're going to do to people and, and that they're commenting on, on inappropriate uh, subjects all the time. So it, it's definitely a, a, a very large issue that I think that, Nikki and I try very, very hard to kind of talk very bluntly about with people about 
these are you're supposed to watch out for people. You're supposed to connect with people, and the more that you connect with people, the less likely you are to behave in a certain manner that is completely inappropriate. Mm-hmm. Very true. Yeah. And, and that's why, you know, if we can get to the millennials and teach them what is appropriate, what's not, and give them the skills and the tools they need, then, you know, Nikki, we'd, we'd accomplish your goal of raising our children to a point where they're safer when they're walking the streets and in high school and in college themselves. So that's what it's all about. Yeah. 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 So Cody, how did you get started in, in this field and in this, this, area? Yeah, so uh, I got my first uh, professional job um, in the fall of 2015 uh, as a residence director, and I was, I was given the coordinator of late-night activities. <clears throat> and uh, as that semester rolled on, I was, I was doing well enough, and I wanted to kind of take on more responsibility. And, and I, I talked to my supervisor at the time, uh, because Nikki had actually come to our, our residence director training and done one of her Title IX presentations and I thought that um, it would be really interesting to learn more about that and, and, and become knowledgeable about a topic that doesn't have a lot of um, male backing. And uh, mm-hmm. within a week yep. or so, I was, I was introduced to Nikki, and, and we started to do a little bit of work together. And then in, in January of last year, we went into the Green Dot Bystander Training um, in, um, in the southern tier of New York. Then we spent four days learning how to how to teach people to be good bystanders and to and to help those situations. And after that, it really just took off. It, I kind of I found a passion of mine that I didn't really know was there. I had always kind of had this feeling that I could I could do more with my life and I could help people out. And and at one point in my in my college career, I had struggled with kind of finding my identity and my purpose. And and I think that it's no secret that that um, masculinity if if you're in this, this culture of, of young people, it can be pretty fragile at times and it's hard to find your identity and who you are and be comfortable in your own skin and things like that. And I think that working in Title IX has really, really helped me to, to solidify that and be comfortable uh, talking about these things that makes men pretty uncomfortable to talk about because they don't mm-hmm. want to feel guilty about even the little things that they do to help perpetuate this culture. And, I, and I've kind of just been feeding off of that because I can connect with people better and I can have one-on-one conversations and I can have larger group discussions. And, and when you start to talk about just mutual respect and how, and how respecting women will help benefit everybody and, and creating equity and equality will just benefit society as a whole, it makes it so much more rewarding to go out and do the things that we do all the time. Yeah, absolutely. You're absolutely right. And you know what? I I realize we've mentioned the Green Dot campaign a couple times, and I know what it is, and you guys are very familiar with it. But you know, there might we might have some listeners who are like Green Dot. What's that? So, could you, you know, maybe Nikki or whoever is taking the lead on that on your campus, a little brief. You know, what is the Green Dot campaign all about, and how can people find out more about it? Sure. Um, So, Green Dot is a bystander intervention program. Um, that works under the assumption that no one can do everything, but everyone can do something. So the way Green Dot, you know, is proposed is if you were to imagine your campus or your community um, as, a, as, a, as a map and, and Green Dot um, behaviors are ones that perpetuate a positive culture. They're ones that empower people to address situations when they see them or to you know, do something as simple as call the police or talk to a bouncer or a bartender if they see um, questionable, beha- questionable behavior in a bar. Um, eventually, 
what the, what the hope is is that the community will become a place where red dot behaviors like sexual violence, interpersonal violence, stalking, um, gender-based violence just, just does not exist. So we, we are seeking to, you know, replace the, the red dots with the green dots. You know, for example, 20 years ago, if somebody came into our building smoking a cigarette, someone might say, get an ashtray. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas now, if somebody did it today, it's, it's practically unheard of. So the goal is to create that culture around behavior where it's almost impossible for a red dot to happen because you've, you've created this culture of green dots in your community. You know, that is, that's such a simple way to, to put it because a lot of people still get very uncomfortable making any kind of an intervention anywhere sure. because what are people going to say? And there's such a stigma around that. You know, I've been to restaurants and bars before. Well, I'll, I'll go to the manager and say, hey, that guy over there, he's had way too much. I hope you're planning to cut him off soon. And, right. and people are like, oh, my God, did you really just say that? It's like, well, yeah, I did. Because <laughs> it's and protecting we, everybody we were, else around here. We were doing a training earlier, <clears throat> and this is the, the first time that this had come up in one of our trainings, where I was saying, like, uh, the generation that, that we're speaking to mostly are, are first and second wave gen, uh, millennials, and, and they're incredibly open and, and accepting and, and talkative um, generation, but this still seems to be a really big stigma. It's like sticking your head in other people's business when you're confronted yeah. with it, whereas on social mm-hmm. media and things like that, they're very open and, and kind of in people's business and very active. And, and studies show that people are more active in this generation and more likely to get involved in social justice issues and things like that, but we're trying to bridge that gap so it makes it easier for them to do so because certain mm-hmm. talking points haven't been touched on in their childhood, so they're not comfortable talking about certain things or, yep. or exploring those things without feeling um, alienated or, or, or stigmatized. And I think that we're doing, what we're doing now is a really good way to ease that tension and bridge that gap so that people feel more comfortable in doing so. And we've had some really, really positive feedback about the things that we've been doing so far. Um, so we're really hoping that in the, in the next year or so, we're going to see this, this jump in, in people uh, engaging in this actively. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I see a a correlation here between the green dot and the respect my red, because we're really talking about the same thing here of, you know, standing up for for no red is red. But, hey, here's how to make the world more green, because that's ultimately what we want is we want. It's, huh, but it's not easy being green. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's what we want to get. Sorry, couldn't resist that one. <laughs> so, so, but that's what we want to get to, right? I mean, we yeah. want we want a green society in in more ways than one. One hundred percent. Yeah. So I know Wendy has been waiting patiently in the wings to get on here and join the conversation. So, Wendy, I want to introduce you so you can get out here and and throw in your two cents because I read your bio. It's like, oh, man, this woman is awesome. So I want to find out more about you and and what's going on with you and how you're involved with this whole thing. So uh, let me introduce Wendy Murphy. Uh, Wendy is an adjunct professor of sexual violence law at the New England in. New England Law Boston, where she also co-directs the Women's and Children's Advocacy Project under the Center for Law and Social Responsibility. 
She is a former visiting scholar at Harvard Law School. Wendy prosecuted child abuse and sex crimes cases for many years. In 1992, she founded the first organization in the nation to provide pro bono legal services to crime victims. Wendy is an impact litigator whose work in state and federal courts has changed the law to better protect the constitutional and civil rights of victimized women and children. Wendy writes and lectures wild, wild, widely, not wildly, widely on the rights of <laughs> women, children, and criminal justice policy. Dubbed the goddaughter of Title IX by the godmother of Title IX, Dr. Bernice Sandler, Wendy's impact litigation in the area of campus sexual assault began in the 1990s, includes a landmark victory over Harvard in 2002, which forced Harvard to reform its sexual assault policies and led to widespread awareness and reforms in the redress and prevention of campus sexual assault. And Wendy, it is such a thrill to have you here. Thank you for taking time out of your schedule to come and talk with us today. So welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. It's really my pleasure. I, you know, the older I get, the more of a grassroots activist I've become. And, my, you know, I'm just so committed now to working with small groups of people doing meaningful work. Um, and that's what your show is all about. And, and I'm very grateful to be yeah. here. Can I, can I respond to things rather than say too much about what I've done? Um, because I, I don't want to sure. waste time, and I know we don't have a lot left, but I, there were so many important points made, and I just want to add to those things. Is that okay? Absolutely. Go for it. Sure. Okay. Um, first and foremost, I really appreciate all the sentiments about um, understanding this issue as a civil rights issue. Uh, we haven't done a good job at that, even though women have been guaranteed full equality in education and protection against discrimination under both Title IX of the Education Amendments, but also Title IV of the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Women have been an equal class under civil rights laws since 1972. They just haven't mm-hmm. been protected, and that's partly because Title IX was, in my opinion, propagandized as a sports equity rule for a very long time, which misdirected mm-hmm a lot of our energy towards sports. Not that sports aren't important, but let me just put it this way. Raped and beaten women don't really give a damn about equal distribution of basketballs. It's really important that we prioritize the idea of discrimination in its most extreme form, violence, as the Mm -hmm. thing we have to deal with first, long before sports. And we haven't done that at all. The recent um, uptick in public awareness has been wonderful but we have to continue to always use framing language that puts this issue in the context of civil rights laws so that we understand Congress meant for violence against women to be treated on college campuses exactly the same way as violence based on race, national origin, religion, and so forth. Women are not second-class citizens under civil rights laws, and it's about time we started thinking about racist violence and sexist violence in the same brain space. Here's why that's so important. When sexual assault happens, we tend, as a culture, to treat it as an individual problem. It's her problem. It's his problem. It's nobody else's problem. It's a private problem. We need to make it a public problem. And framing the problem as a civil rights issue does that implicitly, because we all understand civil rights violations as as an injury to the collective as well as an injury to the individual. That's why, Mm -hmm. although I'm not a black woman, when racist assaults happen, I feel injured because I understand that assault as an injury to me as a member of the community. We need to do that on behalf of women as a class because it does a much better job engaging everybody 
in meaningful and effective prevention, and frankly, gets everybody on board with understanding these terrific programs we've been talking about as um, something that they they should care about because it's about them, too. The other thing Mm -hmm. that I think is so important is to understand the culture of masculinity um, in terms of how we... How are we raising our boys to become these brutal men um, from seemingly good families? We, you know, a lot of my cases, I've been doing this work for a very long time. I wrote the first in the Nation Law Review article explaining how sexual assault relates to Title IX. And what I've seen that's been most disturbing to me as a mother of five, uh, and I see it in my boys, is the unbelievable impact of our culture on the minds of boys and how they think about sex with girls. And it happens at a very young age. Uh, number one problem is pornography. Most boys learn about sex from porn. Mainstream porn these days is extremely violent. And boys go off to college thinking that's what girls like because the girls in porn seem to enjoy being brutalized, even though what they're going through um, would, would match the definition of torture under international human rights laws. And uh, the nature of violence becoming eroticized or erotica becoming violent-sized, as I like to say it, I made that word up, um, is part of the problem because we become insulated from feeling uh, the pain because we see it as pleasure. We have to always use the lens of violence, never, never, never the lens of sex when talking about this problem. And then regarding, and I think this is so timely, the presidential campaign and locker room talk it may not be locker room talk, especially for lots of men. And I'm glad to hear so many men condemn that idea. But it is in our culture. It is saturated in our culture. The idea that Donald Trump should speak about women in the way that he did is so prevalent in rap music, in Fifty Shades of Grey, um, in music videos, and in movies. And it doesn't excuse anybody from using that language. But let's remember that when boys behave badly and they say it's because they thought it was what people liked because they heard it in music or saw it in a movie or learned it in a music video. Um, we have to condemn the culture, too, not just the individual. And, and I think True. And you know what, Wendy? Time. Wendy, so, I, I, ahead, I totally agree with you. Um, I, I totally agree with, with what you're saying. And I think, you know, that's one of the reasons we have a lot of work to do in our society. And I totally agree with that. But what I like is there are some programs and, and some education taking place now that are really going to help to combat against some of those things that are going on. So, you know, yes, things are a mess in, in some of these areas. And, you know, when you talk about Title IX, um, being for athletes at the beginning, I think if it didn't get introduced in that arena, I don't think it would be where it is now. So I think it, it needed to start it, it, it there, but then evolve. But a, I, uh, I need to tell you that we need to we need to take a quick break here, and we will be back and talk a lot more about this when we come back from the break. So uh, stay tuned, and we'll be back in a couple minutes. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Randy Havison is a highly sought-after speaker, trainer, consultant, and author. His down-to-earth approach and mix of humor and insightful information make him a very effective presenter. 
with topics such as alcohol education, raising self-esteem, leadership development, and defining value systems. Havison has proven to be a pioneer in his field. Randy is a welcome speaker on the international stage with a personality that exudes raw energy fueled with magnetic charisma and the relatability of a best friend. His book, Party with a Plan, The Guide to Low-Risk Drinking, was 15 years in the making. He has found a research-based formula that teaches people how to drink and lower their risk for problems. Party with a Plan goes beyond be responsible and drink moderately by offering specific guidelines for people who want to drink and avoid the common problems associated with drinking. Visit Randy's websites, risespeaker.com and partywithaplan.com for more information. When you make decisions, do you ever find yourself in doubt? Are you trying to figure out what's right with you? Are you ready to truly change your life? Listen for the Access Consciousness Radio Show with the founders of Access Consciousness, Gary Douglas and Dr. Dane Here. Consciousness is all about including everything and judging nothing. Our program will help you break free from your personal limitations and enhance positive change in all areas of your life. Tune in to Access Consciousness, Thursdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. The Compassionate Life is about just that. There are so many human beings who have made a name for themselves by being humanitarians. They have become individuals who are known for being selfless, kind, and compassionate. Host Dr. Brittany King is also one of these humanitarians. Each week she shares stories of kindness that she has experienced throughout the world, both as a contributor and recipient of these acts of love and kindness. Listen every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. This is the home of the top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success drivers. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are listening to Rise Radio. To reach Randy Havison or his guest today, call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Randy at riseradioshow.com. Now, back to Rise Radio. Welcome back. This is Randy Havison, and I'm your host of Rise Radio. And today we are talking about educational programs and what we can do as a society and a community about the issue of sexual violence and helping to educate our youth, our college students, and and our communities to hopefully one day end this uh, once and for all. And and we definitely have a long way to go, but I think we've come a long way too. You know, I, I love that phrase, when you look ahead at how far you still have to go, it's important to look behind to see how far you've already come. So, uh, Wendy, we were talking a little bit about uh, Title IX and um, you know, a little bit more explanation. I, you know, my understanding is that it was kind of started to help college athletes or, or athletics to, and, and to work in that arena, but you know more about this. So tell me how it started, well, what it's I, all about. Well, I don't want to take up too much time on the history, except that I think it's important we do appreciate the specifics of where it came from and why, and it did not have anything to do with sports in the beginning. There's a website mm. I'd like just to point people to if they're interested in more about the history sure. of Title IX called campusaccountability.org. My latest law review article, which is in the Journal of College and University Law, is published there. It's about uh, Jonathan Krakauer's book, Missoula, which is a horrible book. Um, but within that law review article that I just published is a very nice, easily accessible, easy-to-read 
history of Title IX that, that gives folks a lot of information about where we've been and, and where we've come to. That's great. And yeah, hopefully, you know, if people are interested, they can go to the website and find out more about that. So I was just uh, notified here a little bit ago that we have some callers on the line from an organization called PUSH. And I'm interested to hear what that's all about. So uh, let's bring in uh, the folks from PUSH. And I want to hear more about this organization. You know, Amanda mentioned it recently. Was it Amanda? No, Wendy told me about it. So let's bring on uh, our guests from PUSH. Are you there, Hi, ladies? can you hear me? Yes, I can. Hello? Yes. Hi. Um, my name is Allison, and I have another mother with me online, and um, we were connected um, basically because we couldn't find any parent organizations um, in the community that supported victim, college victims of sexual assault. Mm. Um, and we needed a lot of information on how to handle um, our kids' situations on campus because a lot of the information out there does not inform the public about civil rights issues and that um, campuses a lot of times do a lot of informal handling of sexual assault issues instead of mm-hmm. handling it formally. And um, they don't tell you that you lose your rights through Office of Civil Rights through the Department of Ed if you decide to handle a sexual assault informally. Hmm. Um, so wow. our um, organization tries to inform the public um, about these issues, educate the public, and give public information on how to handle and report sexual assault. Yeah, you know what? That's a really good point because I I hear you know I can just imagine a parent hears that their daughter was a victim of of sexual assault. And they're like, oh my god, that's what do I do? Where do I go? Who do I start talking to? And I haven't ever heard of an organization that supports and gives the parents information. So I think it's great that you guys have started this organization. It's very very overwhelming. I mean, when my daughter. Um, informed me, and the college guaranteed that they were handling the situation. Mm. You know, I believe that the college was handling it appropriately, and I met with um, campus police. I met with a Voices Against Violence coordinator. I met with Title IX, and they all reassured me that my daughter's case would be handled appropriately. Mm. Um, unfortunately, my daughter... Uh, did have uh, a safe exam, and there were some very revealing pictures. And mm. in her case, that was never brought out in a hearing. Um, it's just sad to see some of the situations that occur and the evidence that there is, and um, nothing ever happened <clears throat> to support victims. Yeah, you're right. Um, so tell me about PUSH. How can people get a hold of not, how, but, how can people you know. get more information about PUSH and what you guys are doing? Hi. Hi. This is Annette. Um, Hi. PUSH, we, we, as Allison said, we are, we are a group of moms and parents uh, who've gotten together. We're getting to know each other uh, over this um, club that we've been thrown into. Um, uh, and I think what we'd like push to get out there is the fact that students need to realize that 
they need independent help outside of their colleges, and this occurs. When assault occurs, they need independent help. Um, you know, when we send our children to college, we think that they're going to be safe and cared for, and it's sort of a home away from home. And the sad reality is, it, after hearing stories from many other parents, that this is not the case. And I'm talking small colleges, large colleges, religious-based colleges, whatever. Um, this is not the case. And there needs to be great reform in uh, laws, um, uh, federal laws, um, such as the Campus Save Act, which is very harmful, and um, policies on campus as well. And the only thing that I, I want to add, because I don't want to take up too much time, is that as a parent, um, I sent my child, my, she, she was my third child to go to college. I thought I had it down and uh, felt very, very safe about everything and was shocked, shocked at the um, treatment of the college after the assault. I, you could not have convinced me that this would happen prior to the assault. There was very little support. It was misleading. Um, and it was very harmful to my daughter, as it is I'm learning to many students. So PUSH is here to educate parents and students, to advocate for parents and students, and to hopefully um, be active in legislative changes. That's great. And how can people get in touch with PUSH if they want more information or, or have a situation that they want some help with? We have a website. Um, it's... Um, pushforequaljustice.org and if they okay. come on to that they can find all kinds of information and they can contact us as well. That's great. Now are you looking for campuses or areas to have their own chapters or is this just a national organization that people tap into? This is, well, we're, we're, in, we're in the early stages and um, okay. we're hoping to grow. We're looking um, you know, for every avenue we can to get this information out there. Um, That's great. Well, I hope that uh, those, you know, the listeners out there, you know, get involved and, and get in contact with PUSH to see how you can help them out, because this sounds like a great organization, and I think it's definitely needed, because, um, you know, I think some campuses do a pretty good job, but most of them do a lousy job at, at working with the victims or the survivors and, and working with the parents and really making... Um, this an issue that people feel safe and comfortable going forward with. So, you know, your your organization is definitely needed. Yeah, I just want to say um, one of the things that I did find in my experience is that a lot of times because the kids are 18, um, it's very difficult to navigate with the college to get any kind of information um, True. about what's going on. And so, you know, I think one of the things that parents need to tell their kids before they go to college is that something serious happens to you that you need to let your parents know. If you have a close relationship yes. with your parents or it's a support person, you need to have an important adult know if something happens to you. Exactly. Yeah, don't keep it inside. Definitely share it with whoever it is that you feel comfortable sharing it with, whether it's a counselor in the counseling center, a parent, no. a family friend. Don't keep it inside. Uh, right? Well, yeah. I, would, I would only add, it, it needs to be a parent. It needs to be a parent or a person off the campus. I would not go to campus, folks. 
Yeah, well, I, I think in, in some instances you can, in a lot you can't, but sometimes the parents aren't the safe person to go to either. So, you know, my right. thought is just make sure you tell someone and not just keep it inside. Whoever you feel safest and most comfortable talking to, you know, getting that conversation started is, is where it begins. So, but yeah, it, parents are, are a great resource in most cases. So those are the people to go to. So well, give me that, other, uh, that, I want, you, can you give me that email, give me that web address one more time for push? Pushforequaljustice.org. Great. Okay. And hopefully you'll get some hits uh, and some people contacting you from the show. But I, I do want to, you know, I, I hate to cut you off, but we are starting to run out of time. And the number one thing that I really wanted to put a point of light on is the point of light program. And I want to get back to um, Amanda real quick and talk about the, the 10 points of light and what you guys want to do and how maybe some of our listeners can get involved with this program as well. Right. So 10 Points of Light has been occurring for the past few years now. And what the event is, is it's held two times a year. It's held on the last Thursday of October, um, focusing more towards Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and then the last Thursday in April, um, focusing more on Sexual Assault Awareness Month. And what it is, is it's locations, it's colleges, it's Um, you know, local rape crisis centers, resource centers. Um, We had a yoga event last year as a point of light. And what it is is that they are all across the world, really. You know, we have for our April next, um, in April 2017, we're actually having a school um, participate that is in Ireland. So we're really excited about that. Um, yeah. But as you had mentioned earlier, uh, both uh, we we do have um, you know Alfred State participating this year, um, University of Central Arkansas, Franklin Pierce University, uh, Central Nova Nova Women's Resource Center, which is in Nova Scotia. So we have wow. a lot of different um, different points holding this, and and the only. Um, requirement to become one of our points of light is that you must hold a candlelight vigil. Um, we do ask that it occurs typically between 6 p.m. and 11 p.m. in your time zone. However, we don't want that to discourage folks. So we've worked with um, locations across the country because let's say they're a community college and they don't have night events. Mm, so we've yep. worked with them. We really just want folks to hold an event. It, it, the purpose is to have the vigil as a component of what you're doing, maybe for that entire week or for that day in terms of raising awareness and, and, and having people come out and participate in different ways on your campus, in your town, in your community, whatever it may be. So, you know, I don't know if um, Nikki wants to talk a little bit more about what Alfred State is, is personally planning for their 10 points of light for this year. Yeah, well, yeah, bef- sure. before I we get to that, it. hold on, Nikki, yeah. one second before we do that. Is there a website or someplace that people can go to find out more about this and, and how to get something going on their campus or in their community? Yep. So if you go to our Take Back the Night website, which is www.takebackthenight.org, um, and mm-hmm. you go to events in the top right-hand corner, and it's a drop-down, and you can click on 10 points of light. That lists all of our 10 points of light. 
um, locations. But if you're interested in participating, reach out to us. Um, our contact information is on the um, on the Take Back the Night website. You can also contact us through social media, Facebook. We've been getting tons That's of contacts great. with. Um, and you know what, can I also, you know, I think that what people could do also just type in in a Google search, 10 points of light, and they'll probably find it. Yes, they will. They will be yeah, able to cool. see that as well. And I was just, yep. I, I just got, I'm, I'm really sorry to cut you all off. This has been amazing. We could probably go on for another three hours, but unfortunately the empowerment channel of voice America has another show that's about to start. So I want to thank you all for, for coming on today. Um, you can contact, you know, if you want any of these contacts, you can go to riseradioshow.com or go to my host page, shoot me an email, but we would love to help you out and get more of this information out. Cause all of you are doing amazing, so important work. And I can tell you how appreciative I am that you took time to come on the show and hopefully someone out there was inspired to, to come forward or, or help other people out. So thank you all for being my guest and we will be back with you next week for another edition of rise radio here on the empowerment channel, voice America radio thank you for tuning in to rise radio please join your host randy havison again next wednesday at 1 p.m eastern time and 10 a.m pacific time on the voice america empowerment channel until our next show have a great week